Welcome to the End to End Podcast with Derek and Carl Francazzi on Anchor, Spotify, or any other platform you may be listening in on. This is episode six of season one, and today we are reviewing the Europa League round of 16 and preview round of eight. Thank you for tuning in. Feel free to follow us on all social media at End to End Podcast with a two. And feel free to donate directly to the podcast via listener support on Anchor, which helps the podcast hosts and create better content leveling up our podcast for you all. Derek, let's start off with the biggest news of the Europa League this past week. Tottenham crashing out versus Dynamo Zagreb 3-2 to two on aggregate after extra time. Uh, Derek, give me your uh, opinion on the match and, and uh, the, the tie. Uh, disappointing from Tottenham. Very, uh, how do, do you want to say, just nonchalant. Didn't really come into the game really looking to win. I guess they kind of came in just expected, like, oh, we're going to, we have this, this dynamos to grab, you know, we play better teams on the weekend, Manchester State, Manchester United, you know, they just went into the game very just, oh, we already have this one, very big headed. And they didn't come out with the result because of that. Dynamos to grab came in and made sure they were going to make it a fight and they ended up getting the result they wanted. No, I have to agree. Like, you watch that first half and you're like, you know, you felt bad for Dynamo's regret because you're like, man, they could really, really be back in this time more than what they were. And then the second half, they really turned it on and got it back to 2-2 and and tied it up and obviously sent it into extra time. But um, you would have to think after that half, you're like, oh, Tottenham, you know, they're yeah. lucky now. They got out of that half. Uh, the second half, they're going to step it up. They'll put in their, you know, what I would call ringers. You know, you throw on Kane and you throw on Bale and you throw on, you know, I think he put on Los Celso there at one point. You know, and he's going to be able to turn this thing around for his team after like a little hefty team talk at halftime. And nothing really changed. Nothing yeah. changed in that half. It was the same Tottenham parking the bus, you know, kind of hoping for the best, defending, defending, defending. And this is probably the most frustrating thing with Tottenham right now is that when I watch them is they'll defend like they're Burnley for, yeah. let's say they go up in the fifth minute, right? They'll defend like they're Burnley until the 90th with a one no lead. And then let's say they get scored on and it's 1-1 now in the 88th minute. They'll just flip a switch and then start attacking and playing like a, you know, a good sided team would. Yeah. You're like, why don't you just do this throughout the game, get two or three goals, and then let's say yeah. you have a two-goal lead with 60 minutes. Okay, let's defend for 30, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we got to agree with you. Just, you know, don't put you, yourself into so much defense that ends up hurting you. Keep yeah, attacking, I mean, they, they keep them on. 2-0 lead. You're trying yeah, to you for 90 minutes. Yeah. You got to keep them on some kind of heels. You got to put them somewhere to where they can't just stay on the top of your box. I mean, and that, that's what after the first tie, do. after the first tie, everyone's like, oh, the grabs out like Tottenham's they're playing really well in Europa league. Look at this attacking play bails back and form, blah, blah, blah. You know, if Kane's in there, there's no way they lose. And they literally played about as flat as they could be through yep. that entire game. And it's even when they, a flat soda on a summer day, <laughs> even <laughs> even after like they go tied two two and aggregate, like yeah, they start attacking, and you can tell Zagreb's you know mentality changed to where it's like just don't get scored on. Hopefully, you hit on the break. But like if they would have just attacked Zagreb throughout the match because Zagreb was open, you know, Dynamo mm-hmm. was open for most of that game. Like you probably could have put two past him and let Dele Ali do his thing and let Harry Winks facilitate. And instead, you're asking him to play. You know, you're asking Dele Ali to play like a holding midfielder. <laughs> holding you're asking mid, Winks yeah. to be your third center back. Like it doesn't make sense to me. If uh, you are going to go into the game and play like that in the second leg, at least have the players on the field to do that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And that leads me to my next point, Derek, with, with players and, and things like that. Uh, we'll get to like whether it's the team or the manager or whatever else who gets to blame for this. But right now, this is my concern because I know this is probably a lot of Tottenham Spurs fans concerns. Uh, are you concerned that they could lose some of their, their biggest and best players uh, in this summer if they don't step it up? Uh, definitely. Uh, I think if if you're looking at it the way right now, it looks like we're they'll have to have some players moving on from him. I could see Harry Kane leave. I could oh, see yeah. Dele Ali. Ali already wanted to leave before that. He wanted to leave, and I think it was PSG wanted to go to during mm-hmm. the wintertime, so he's already on the brink. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just 
you already have players rumored to leave. Do you, they're, supposedly they're losing bail too. Yeah, because <laughs> he's bail, going back to Madrid. Bail turned around so. this weekend and was just like, yeah, it goes, it goes golf, Wales, Madrid, and then maybe Spurs after that. Like I don't even care about Spurs. Like he legit <laughs> said, I came to play for Spurs for a year so I get back in shape and then I can play for Wales in the Euros, and then I'm out of here. I'm gonna go sit back on the bench in Madrid. I don't care. Basically. And I'm gonna go golf. <laughs> I'm gonna go golf. <laughs> basically what I'm yeah, seriously, man, it's just like, but yeah, I could definitely see a lot of players leaving this summer. Uh, and the players that they've brought in here recently, I could see them leave over the next two or three years if the players leave this season. Uh, ten, you know, I mean, it's just, if I'm in Dembele, I want out of here ASAP as fast as I can. Go. Yeah. And if you and if you're like Regulon, you just got there, and you start seeing like guys like Harry Kane and you know and Dumbelli leaving, you're like, "Whew, man, I should have for the door before it gets worse." And if they don't start playing better, the manager that brought you in, he's gonna be he's gone gonna too. Leave too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he ain't leaving. He getting the sack. He getting out of there. He's getting fired. <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, I, I'm on the same boat with you. If I'm a Spurs fan right now. I am sending Harry Kane and I'm sending son my biggest, you know, direct messages I can through Instagram and Twitter. Please don't leave. You're my hero. You saved our club from basically being irrelevant in the last few years. Please don't leave. I mean, legit with this Mourinho team and the way they play, if it wasn't for son and Kane, this team (laughs) would probably lose every game they're in. And I'm not joking. I mean, you name, yeah, I mean, just, who's going to score? Berwin, Lucas Mora, <laughs> Bale when he plays once every three months? Like, who, who are you going to rely on? <laughs> it's true. The guy plays when he feels, when he, when he doesn't have yeah. tea times on the weekend. He's like, okay, I'll come play a <laughs> soccer game. Uh, gotta stay in shape somehow, right? <laughs> if it can't be golf, I guess it has to be soccer. <laughs> like, come on, man. And like, no, if I like I said, if I'm a Spurs fan, I think if I'm Harry Kane, I want out of there. Harry Kane, he's got to think I'm going somewhere. I don't care where I go. It could be Bayern, it could be Madrid, it could be Barca. I don't care what the rebuild project is. Now, there's obviously better options for him than others. I think he would love to be at a team like Man City. Um, maybe he could be the final jewel to the crown for United. Maybe he's looking at, you know trying to go to like Madrid or Barca who's in a bit of a rebuild and like he's like you know he can replace Benzema at Madrid or he goes next to Messi who wouldn't want to play next to Messi but you know if I'm Harry Kane I'm looking to get out there son who's still a little bit younger um he's still an elite winger he could play anywhere he wanted on any Sunday uh and any Tuesday or Wednesday since you know Spurs are in the Champions League um And, you know, I could see Son go anywhere he wanted to. I really could. I could see him go wherever he wanted, and he has his choice of clubs. I'm sure any club would take him. It just depends on the price. That'll be the next issue is Spurs aren't going to sell him for cheap. And that's that's just, you know, with Daniel Levy up there, he's not letting Harry Kane go for probably less than 150. Son probably around the same asking price. So, yeah. uh, Yeah. Derek. Talking about players, who do you blame for these for the Spurs crashing out? Do you do you blame it on the the lackluster performance of the players? Do you put it on the manager who maybe couldn't find a way to motivate his team? Maybe played something like you said, some of the players in the wrong spots during the tie, like playing, you know, trying to defend for 90 minutes. Why are you playing Daily Ali yeah. and Winks? Or do you blame maybe Daniel Levy, who's maybe hamstrung Mourinho, maybe with his choice of transfers? Well, I had to say manager first because of the way they walked into the game. To me, if you're going to, if it was Mourinho's plan to defend that whole game and you're playing Dele Ali and Harry Winks in your midfield to do that, I don't think that's a good move at all. If you're already going in with the plan that you're going to defend, if they go in that game and Mourinho's telling them, hey, I want you guys to play like you always do, I want you guys to play a very attacking football. And, you know, if we do fall into a counterattack, then fine, but we need to make sure we're getting goals, you know playing the Mourinho way, then I would say that's on the players then because they didn't play the way the manager told them to. They went into the game, played lackluster, very flat, and that's what that ends up – that performance ends up making them lose. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of 50-50 because you don't know what Mourinho was telling them going into the game. Now, once you reach that midway point of the game and you see how they play in the second half and they didn't really turn it on the way they normally do, I got to say that's – that's on Mourinho because mm. I don't think he gave them enough of a chitting 
at the halftime mark of just telling them, hey, you need to like go out there and play better. These guys are on, you know, they're on you. They're going to push for goals. And second half comes, they get scored on and it just puts them back on their heels and they didn't do what they were supposed to. And I think that falls on the manager to motivate those players going into the second half, making sure that their heads are on right. I agree with you that the players played poorly. I agree with you that maybe Mourinho could have done a better job um, motivating his players and setting them up. Um, A point you didn't hit, but something that I think is Daniel Levy maybe hasn't given Mourinho exactly what he wanted. I don't think Gareth Bale was a Mourinho signing. Um, I don't think, I mean, I'm sure Mourinho respects Bale's game and liked what he's done in the past and thinks he's a, you know, from his past as a great player, but I don't think that was Mourinho going to leave and saying, I want bail, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm just going to bring up facts. Okay. And this is what I did last time we talked about Mourinho because Mourinho is a fact guy. Okay. Mourinho says, this is where we're at in points. This is where I don't care how we play. We won the game. We get the results. We get the trophies done deal. That's all I want to talk about. Let me just talk about, so we want to talk about these players playing really poorly, right? Okay, let's just talk about some of the players that Mourinho's brought in, okay? Jedson Fernandez, ever heard of him? That was his first transfer. Guy came from, I think, Benfica. Uh, guy's played, like, maybe 10 games, if I can remember any of them, and has been a non-factor and has done yeah. nothing. Steven Berwin, uh, Lucas Mora's little cousin, basically. <laughs> he does nothing different. He's worse than Lucas Mora. He doesn't. He's maybe a little bit more defensively minded than Lucas, but he does nothing in that attack for them. Yeah. I think he scored one goal in that Man City game last year, and that was it. I haven't. Th- I I see Berkwin on the lineup, and I'm just like, okay, well, he's gonna get up and back. That's about it. Yeah. Okay. Regulon, great signing. Sure, great signing. He doesn't play in the right way, in my opinion. That guy should be up and on that left side, overlapping, getting in the attack. And be honest, he's asked to play like an old school left back. To be honest, he he asked like him to play like Ivanovic and as Pili Quota <laughs> more than he asked him. To, that guy should be Jordi Alba for him. Yeah. He should be up and on that left side. You should have Son basically tucking in and saying, Regulon, you got the whole left left wing to yourself. Next one, Doherty. He got from Wolves. I like Doherty as a wing back, but he's not a great outside back, and you're not playing with wing backs. You're playing with outside backs. You're playing a back four most of the time. Yeah. When you do play with a back three, you have these three crappy center backs basically with Eric Dyer. <laughs> In the middle of him, who's he said in the documentary, oh, I like Eric Dyer, blah, blah, blah. He's terrible. I'm sorry. He's not good. He's not good. He's not a good center back. It's just a simple fact. He's not a good center back. He might be a good holding midfielder, which is what he was supposed to be uh, at times under Potch. But he's not a good center back. Next one, Carlos Vinicius. I actually like the guy. I like the the way he plays. But is he a Premier League player that's going to come in and get them back to the top four and push them forward? No. No. Gareth Bale, I'm not saying that's his fault, but that was not a good signing either. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this guy has been nothing but problems and headaches for Mourinho. Even when he's played well, it just raises more questions. And that's the last thing Mourinho wants. Okay. Then you got Hoiberg. I like Hoiberg. Hoiberg's a good center mid. I don't think Hoiberg's as good as some people say he is. I think he's a solid center mid. I think, hey, if he was at Southampton, we'd be saying the same thing. He's a solid center mid. Now he's at Spurs. People are trying to hype him up a little bit. Look, he's a solid center mid. He can play in the Prem. He could probably play any anywhere he wanted in, in Europe, but he's not an elite center yeah. midfielder. He's not in the top 10 anywhere. Um, so he's, he's, he's solid. He's fine. And then Joe Rodon, who's the other center back he got from Swansea, um, he's fine, I guess, if you're trying to make sure you're not relegated. Um, but that's not what Tottenham's trying to do. They're trying to, you know, get in top four. They're trying to win trophies. They're trying to get back in the Champions League hunt. They're in a Champions League final. Yeah. They're in a Champions League final. Yeah. Okay? Under Potch. People keep telling me these players ain't good enough. Man, Potch is getting top four every year. He's getting in the Champions League final. And I understand. The year he got fired, they started off like crap. I think they're like 12th or 15th at some point. I get it. <laughs> but my goodness, man, you can't tell me Mourinho's improved this team. I'm sorry. Yeah, and here's yeah, the next thing. 
everyone talks about, oh, but he didn't get the financial backing like a Pep or like a Jurgen Klopp or even Frank Lampard got more money. Near the potch. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. I am about potch. This man spent net this summer and last winter $106 million. That is how much he spent with transfers going out and transfers coming $106 million. And that's during COVID. That's, and that's with them getting a new stadium. That's not like, oh, we're just happy. You know, we got money in the bank. We've been saving up. Like, no, <laughs> they spent $106 million and they probably went in the best financial state anyway. Okay. And now let's talk about the players he's gotten rid of. Okay. Vertonghen. Don't think that was a good move because Joe Rodon's not better than him. Eric no. Dyer is not better than him. Heck, Davison Sanchez probably isn't better than him on some days. I like I like Toby. Toby's okay. Uh, I think, you know, he's a solid center back. Fine. I'd play with him in my team. He let go of Danny Rose. I'm not saying Danny Rose is a great outside back. Never was to me, in my opinion. I think he was good under Potch because of the style they played, and he fit that style. Yeah. But he's better than Ben Davies, okay? He's better than Ben Davies. He And I'm sorry, Ben Davies, you're not good either. Um, Matt Doherty is okay, but I still think Danny Rose is better than him. Danny Rose can do both things Doherty does. He can play as an outside wing back and get up and down, and then he's a better outside back in a back four. He let go of Erickson, and that probably wasn't on him, but I will say this. I don't think Erickson would have left as quickly as he did if Potch was there. I think he would have yeah, been willing to work with Potch. And I think when Mourinho came in, he saw the writing on the wall. Oh, this guy is going to make us play. <laughs> 10 at the back, and Harry Kane's going to be up front. It's just going to be like, hopefully we hit on the counter. And I don't think Erickson want to play under that. Now, do I think Inter Milan was his dream to go play under Antonio Conte? No, but I think that was probably one of his most, you know, probably his best option because he thought he was going to Madrid at some point. And I think Madrid, once, you know, they kind of noticed, they're like, ah, we don't really need the guy. Just let him go. Uh, then he let go of Kyle Walker Peters, who's obvious, or who's arguably one of the best outside young backs in the Premier League right now at Southampton. <laughs> so, and then you brought in—I'm not trying to mean—you brought in Doherty, which is—he's not that good. And then you spent—I think it was over 50 million or close to it on Regulon. And Regulon can still get bought back by Madrid in a couple of years because we've seen that happen before, yeah. but. Kyle Walker Peters was right there. He's everything that Regulon was, and you just spent unnecessary money to to go yeah. replace him. Basically, they they definitely should have probably kept Walker Peters and then said, "Hey, let's buy a center back." But we both know that Mourinho. Not to me. I mean, he. I don't think he wanted to develop. You know, Kyle Walker Peters. He didn't want to deal with the mistakes mm-hmm. the guy would make. He thought Regulon was more of a complete package. Whether he wants to argue that or not, but. The guy who played in Champions League before. He was playing for the La Liga title, or he was playing, played at Madrid a year, and then he played at Sevilla and was really good at Sevilla. So, fine. I see why you want to take him. You won the Europa League. Like, I get it. But, like, come on, man. Like, don't tell me this guy's not getting the financial backing. Don't tell me that this isn't his squad. Like, he spent all this money. Like, come on. Yeah. Um, Derek, this leads us to our final topic, I guess, with, with Tottenham. Um, Jose Mourinho's next steps to either keep this job and what he needs to do to make sure that, you know, Tottenham start moving in the right direction. And then also what is next for Mourinho if that doesn't happen and he ends up getting the sack for Spurs. So in terms of next steps for Spurs, just to get him turned around. Oh my gosh. It's just, I don't want to call it dumpster fire just yet, but it looks like it's getting there. It's getting hot and heavy over there right now with just the way things are going. You have you have Bale going to reporters saying, Oh yeah, I'm leaving. You, you yeah, know, I like, use Spurs as my personal gym. Yep. <laughs> like basically, like he came out and was just like, Yep, I came here for to get in shape. Like I'm at Planet Fitness trying to get in shape. Like that's the way you treat Spurs. And then after that, just getting knocked out of Europa League and you're already out of the top four in the prem. It's just, it's just rolling downhill for him really fast. Next steps though, for just getting this thing turned around. I think he has to look into his own tactics and playing style. He's also out of the FA cup, by the way, he's, <laughs> he's in the Carabao cup final, but he's playing city. Um, but he's also out of the FA cup. Just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah. Just overall though, like I think turning around wise, 
has to look at himself and the way he plays. And maybe he needs to modernize his tactics. Maybe he needs to look at himself and be like, hey, maybe I can't keep having teams play this counterattacking football where we're going to drop back with 10 men and then kick the ball forward to one guy. Like, maybe I need to look into this and, you know, transform it to a more modern way of playing. Like, you can drop, like, six to seven back and still kind of play that counterattack. We see Klopp do it you know, high pressure football still, but when they drop back, they drop back heavy and then they hit you on the counter. So it works, you know, it's there, but the way he's been doing it, you know, it's not like it was when he was at like a Chelsea or, you know, went back all the way back when he was at like Porto, he can't just drop back with 10 man, 10 men and then expect that one clearance is going to get him a goal and he's going to win the game anymore. No, definitely not consistently. I would say like Porto could maybe get away with that in the champions league, you know, once every, you know, or twice a month, you know, to get through those ties. But in Portugal, I'm sure Porto was outplaying teams going forward at times yeah. to make sure they won games. And that Spurs team, I understand people try and say like Spurs don't have like this quality and talent. Like they do. To they do at least quality. To outplay Dynamo Zagreb, for example, to outplay <laughs> Burnley, to outplay Southampton, to outplay these teams that they're tying and losing to that they shouldn't, yeah. to outplay Arsenal. I mean, come on. It's, like you should be beating Arsenal. I'm sorry. This Arsenal yeah. team is one of the worst Arsenal sides in years. I like Arteta. I like Thomas Partey. I like Aubameyang. But like, come on. Like if, Harry, only- if you gave Ole Gunnar Solskjaer this team right now with Harry Kane and Son up front, they're in the top four. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't even like Gunnar Solskjaer. So like, come on. <laughs> um. I agree with you on the next steps. He needs to look at himself in the mirror, I think, to start with and you know, how his teams are playing. It may reflect the way he thinks about, you know, the game, but it's not getting results. Simple as that. It's just yeah. not. And they need to adapt to what they're doing. Um, and they need and it starts with him, I think. As much yeah. as these players may not be exactly what he wanted and he may not like that dressing room, he's brought a lot of those players in, as we just listed. Um, And he needs to get the best out of him, Uh, not to be, you know, comparing him to Pochettino, but Poch was, and Poch was doing it on less of a budget at times. I mean, he found Dele Ali out of nowhere. Son wasn't an expensive buy. Harry Kane wasn't, you know, Harry Kane came through their system and he developed him into, I'm not saying it was just Poch developing Kane, but, you know, helped him along his way. Yeah. Uh, he took guys, you know, that were young and inexperienced and still got them top four. And I'm not saying they're ever title contenders, but they were top four consistently. And they were a team that could score multiple goals a game or fun to watch. And I'm not saying that's important in results-based football, but if you're going to play results-based football, you better get the results. And that's what he's doing. And he's not getting the results. Yeah. Um, what's after Tottenham if he's sacked? I don't know. And er- Me neither. In- in England, there's nothing left outside of maybe an Everton job after Ancelotti's gone. Yeah. Um, because Liverpool's not going to take him. Man United won't take him back. City is happy with Pep, and I don't think they would take Jose. Chelsea won't take him back. Arsenal won't take him. Yeah. I think so, he's done in England overall. Everton or a low maybe, job. maybe West Ham. I don't know. Yeah. But <laughs> who knows? Maybe, maybe Newcastle when they get this like buyout that they're supposed to get for the last two years. But I think the best thing for him right now is maybe to go back to Italy. Um, Maybe he takes over Napoli. Maybe he can take over in Atalanta, uh, Roma. Um, I don't think Inter Milan is going to be open anytime soon under Conte, but who knows? He has a way of burning his own house down at times and getting out of places. So maybe Inter Milan in a year or two. Uh, AC Milan maybe if they start going down the tube. But to be honest, like in club football, there's not much left for him because he's kind of he's burned so many bridges and has made a lot of comments about, you know, clubs and and things like that. So who knows? Maybe international. Maybe he goes to Portugal when he gets, you know, maybe takes a five year break and then goes to Portugal and then manages the national team. I'm not sure, but uh, it's definitely slim pickings right now for him. Definitely. And especially with his last, I mean, his last three jobs, he's basically gotten the sack and all three. And it's been ugly football in all three. Mm-hmm. And he, and it's happening quicker is what I've noticed. So like Chelsea was year three. Yeah. Okay, where they, they just gave up on him basically at Man United. It was at the end of year two and that summer between two and three, where he started complaining a lot and everything. And then year three, he got 
he got kicked off there. And now it's Spurs is the second season or halfway through the second season. And the wheels are looking like they're falling off here. Yeah. Um, and, and he spent money. He spent money at this club to try and, you know, change that dressing room. And I'm not saying money changes everything, but, you know, there's been guys that have had similar money and have had way more success with the players they brought in than he has. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, we'll see what's next for him. I, I, I love Jose. He's my favorite coach of all time for what he did with Chelsea and his charisma. And he's been a huge uh, what do I want to say? I want to say role model, but inspiration for me as a coach and, and things like that. But this is not the same Jose that I had and when I was growing up and when he had Frank and Drogba and then he went yeah. to Inter and won the treble and had, you know, Melito and Eto and playing, you know, playing teams off the park and then going to Madrid and, you know, just, yeah, it's just not the same Jose. It's not to the be same, yeah. So... But, hey, that's enough about Spurs. There's more than Spurs in the Europa League. So let's move on to the other North London team, Arsenal. Arsenal moving past Olympiacos. Uh, Derek, Aubameyang still not a factor. Is that concerning for you? Uh, it's definitely concerning. I, they, he's just not able to produce at the moment. He just isn't he hasn't been able best. to produce since he's gotten a big contract in the summer. That's very true, yeah. It just this season, especially overall, since mm-hmm. since the summer, he's been struggling. I don't know what it is. I, I don't know if maybe it's a maybe he has something going on with Arteta. We already seen that he had a disciplinary benching a couple mm-hmm. weekends ago. It's just I don't know what's going on with him. Maybe it's maybe it's him aging. Maybe he's just growing out of it. I don't I don't know what's going on with him, but he's this season for him overall has not looked well. Maybe it's the fact that last season they bear down on him so hard about like they needed him so much to get goals. And now that he's not there to swarm, he's just become not a factor anymore. No, and like I've noticed this, like, so this was always the argument uh, like for another sports star, which is Steph Curry, and I've heard this before, which was if Steph Curry ain't hitting threes, he ain't doing much for you because he's only 6'2", and he plays point guard, and he's not the best passer, and he's not a great defender. And, you know, getting to the hole, he's undersized, blah, blah, blah. It's yeah. kind of the same thing for Aubameyang right now. If he's yeah. not scoring goals um, and, and his fair. pace isn't being dangerous in behind, um, he's not doing a whole lot. He's not a great passer of the ball. He's an okay dribbler at times, but he needs space. Um, and to be honest, if I'm Arsenal after giving on that contract, I mean, I'm sitting there thinking like, maybe we could have just held our pocket and Seriously? let this guy just, Hey, who knows? Maybe be performing better. And they, you know, they, they'd be, you know, kicking themselves because they let the guy, you know, get away after maybe the season he gets away for free if they don't sign on that contract. But <clears throat> right now it might've <laughs> been better than what they got from him. So yeah. Uh, definitely not getting the same production they got last season, though. That's definitely for sure. Yeah, when they were winning the FA Cup, and that guy was one of the most dangerous forwards in the world. Um, Derek, another another worry uh, here is maybe um, Arsenal losing that second leg. Uh, obviously, 1-0. They, they moved through, obviously, on aggregate. But uh, do you think this is a bad sign that they weren't able to kind of close it out with more confidence, or is it nothing to worry about for you? Uh, it's it's a bad sign because you want your teams to go into second legs and obviously want them to win. You don't want them to lose them and still get through on the like, you know, oh, well, our first leg saved us. <laughs> like you just want your team to go into both of those legs and just handle business the same. You know, you don't want them to just have to rely on that first leg. And I think that's something that Arteta is going to have to tell them coming up into their round of eight now going, well, not round of eight, quarterfinals. But just, you know, going at them and saying, hey, like, we need to go into our second legs much better than our first, like, than we came in this time. Because it's not looking good and needs more discipline. Just overall, mm-hmm. not, that to me is a bad sign of a team that in the future will struggle. I, I look at it and, like, I think it was, it, it's always hard for a team to beat another team twice. Um, especially when it's within, like, two weeks like it was. And, like, you know that Olympiacos is a tough, tough team to beat anyway at any time. Um, I will say I don't think it's anything to worry about because 
I think Arteta knew the situation. So he didn't play his best 11 throughout the entire game, a bit like Tottenham. Um, but he had more control once Olympiacos scored and everyone's kind of like, oh, no, what's going to happen? Because he throws on Thomas Partey and Odegaard after that goal yeah. and everything calmed down. And Olympiacos <laughs> really wasn't a huge threat anymore and Arsenal was in more control and everything seemed to go as what you'd expect, like in that type of matchup. So if we're counting, what I would say is when Arsenal had their best players on the field and they were playing, you know, to make sure they got through and they weren't like kind of worried about like, oh, who's, you know, got heavy legs? Who do we not want to play for that first half and that second leg? Arsenal basically won this tie 2-0. Uh, um, so I, I would say it's nothing to worry about for me. Um, but who knows? Maybe Arteta didn't know. And he was like, oh, God, get everyone on the field. I need to, <laughs> we need to get everyone back on. Oh, God. I mean, happening? when he just throwing on Odegaard and Partey, it's kind of hard to tell whether he was like, oh, they scored. Okay, okay. Let's go ahead and get this. Handle yeah, yeah. before it gets we already, serious. We already knew what we were doing. Like, we just didn't want them to score, but hey, they scored. Oh, well. But I think, but who knows? Maybe he's just hectic and he's like, oh, God, get a, get every you know main starter back <laughs> on the field right now before we get coming on. So. It's kind of like when you're playing, like back when you're a youth and your coach took off your best players in the second <laughs> half of a final. And, and you're, you're up 2-0, right? Yeah, in the like, semifinal the game, scoring. and you're just like, hey, uh, coach, we still got like 15 minutes left. You sure you don't want to keep them on? And he's like, oh, no, we're good. Get scored. All right, all right. Send back out. Send back out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you couldn't get them on the field fast enough at that point. Uh, um, Derek, with, with this draw, uh, which is, you know, you look at the left side here, Dynamo Zagreb and Villarreal play, and then Arsenal play Slavia Prague. Uh, let's assume Arsenal go through against Slavia Prague, which I think we both have Arsenal yeah, down going we, through. Yeah. Um, and then they're either going to get Zagreb or Villarreal. Do you think uh, Arsenal are now favorites due to the way this bracket's kind of built for them? I think they're favorites to reach the final, definitely out of that side. Yeah. I mean, you don't expect them to lose to any of those teams. Now we have watched Spurs against Dynamo Zagreb, but hopefully they're not <laughs> Spurs, you know? Like, <laughs> but yeah, I think they have to be favorites due to the way the bracket worked out for them. Mm. Um, I think if Man United was on their side, it would definitely be, oh yeah, Man United all the way, but mm. it's just the way it worked out for them. You know, they're basically the only team other than Villarreal that everyone's like, Oh, okay. Like they have a chance. I think Villarreal have a good chance as well, though. Coming yeah. out of that when, side. When of I that. Emery against his old club. Hey, a little spice, a little. It's making it a little interesting, huh? <laughs> uh, let's move on to the team you just mentioned, Manchester United. Uh, they squeaked past my uh, choice to win Europa League, which was Milan. I thought Milan played a really good two legs. Yeah. They kind of just didn't have that final touch and quality when they needed it. Um, they fell asleep on the first one against Diallo. And then the second one here, Pogba just kind of just erases your whole team and <laughs> finishes. And it's like, Oh, well, that's yeah. Pogba. That's why they paid a hundred something million for him. So <laughs> that's why Man United move on. Cause they, you know, have those players. But um, I would say Milan were a little bit unlucky uh, at times because in like that first that first leg they called like a really weird handball on Kese which would change oh, yeah. his tie dramatically because it'd be 2-1 in that first leg and they got two away goals but hey Man United pulled through and Ole Gunnar pulled through who we've had plenty of conversations <laughs> yeah, about plenty. Um, Derek what are your thoughts on Ole Gunnar right now I know we're always kind of either hot or he's cold and we don't really know how we yeah. feel I know how I feel but you're kind of like oh I like Ole Gunnar and then like the next week you're like oh I don't know you still you still riding the bus you still you still got Ole Gunnar at the wheel so sure at the I wheel mean, I think with Ole Gunnar you have to keep him at the wheel with Man United because there is no one else you'd rather have at the wheel now of course someone else becomes available you definitely want to go shop for him like you know, if you're looking around and you're like, oh, look, you know, Zidane might leave Real Madrid. Maybe we might be able to coax him over here. Never. He's never leaving. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but like just overall, like you see if I think if you see one of these better managers come out, you definitely want to go try and get them if you're Man United. I think old Gunner's a great guy to have if you're just in a transition phase, kind of like they are. But now that he's getting them up in like, you know, second position in the Prem, Later into the Europa League, maybe they should start looking around, see who might be getting shoved out of the door elsewhere. You know, 
and see who might be picking up sacks. Don't get, you know, Jose, because I'm sorry, Jose, you already had your chance with, <laughs> you already had your chance of them. You got him the second too. Great job. But, you know, uh, I don't think they want you anymore. <laughs> hey, I like Gunners, but I give him the second. So, <laughs> but yeah, uh, just, I, I think that so far this season, he's actually done quite well with that team. I didn't expect them to be in second this season. I didn't mm. expect them to get very far in Europe. So the fact that they're getting there is very impressive. Well, they were in Champions League. They didn't like, get very far there. So. Yeah, but like I said, I, <laughs> overall, like if you had told me in, in the summer. If you told they me they're in Europa League, I would have said they're favorites. Maybe, but neither one of us put them in anything <laughs> I put him in my final. I thought they were favorites. I just chose Milan because I thought Milan. I thought Milan was going to make a run. It sucked that they pulled United. I think if they pulled what Tottenham pulled, which was the grab, they would be through right now. Okay, <laughs> if you put yeah. Tottenham against Man United, Man United would still go through. Okay, but yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, back in the summertime, I really didn't expect much from this squad, especially the way they were playing last season. I just. I, I kind of looked down. I was like, yeah, it's Bruno Fernandez and some other guys <laughs> like at the time, because that's what it felt like. And now that it's reaching towards the end of the season, it's actually kind of impressive that they're in second place and actually reaching late into the Europa League. Cause I would have thought, Oh, they're so inconsistent. They'll get knocked out by, you know, some freaking dynamos a grip. Exactly. That's <laughs> what I would have expected back at, you know, if we, if we had this conversation and, you know, 2020, you know, August, I'd be like, Oh yeah. No way they're doing anything this season. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I'm not a fan of Ali. Um, I've stated that before. I think under Ali, Man United are progressing. And I will not argue that they are better under him than they were under Jose at the end of his reign. Um, and I won't argue that Joe, that Ali Gunner is not getting United what they want in terms of what that board wants, which is Champions League which is being competitive in most of their games. And, you know, I guess having the spirit of Man United a little bit in terms of like, you know, he's an old club legend and stuff like that. Um, but I'll just say this. They're progressing, but it's not with the attitude that I would like. If I was a Man United fan, this is still not the Man United that I grew up with. Yeah. Um, this is not the Man United that was championship or bust, trophy or bust. Um, we win every match we go into. We play to the final minute. We attack, attack, attack. Um, and I feel like they're settling for falling out of competitions. Like I, this past weekend, they fell out against Leicester, 3-1. And Ali's, like, <laughs> smiling in the press conference and, like, saying, like, oh, it's okay. Like, trophies don't determine progress. Like, you know, progress can be determined other ways, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what do you mean, man? You had Sir Alex as your coach at United in – it kind of reminds me of his playing days where he kind of settled to just be happy. At, like, Oh, I'm at a man United. I don't want to move. I don't, I don't need to be the yeah. first striker on the team sheet. I'm okay with being like a super sub and like, I don't know, maybe it's bleeding into his managerial career here, but this isn't the the attitude that I would expect from man United. Yeah. Um, Not that they're in a spot right now. I don't think to go and win a premier league, but like, they're in a spot to win an FA Cup. They're in a spot to win a Carabao Cup. They're in a spot to win the Europa League. To be honest, they should be in the Champions League right now. They should be in a round of 16 and possibly into the quarterfinals right now. And he loses to Leipzig, who got busted up by Liverpool, which, I mean, I like Leipzig. I didn't think, you know, United, you know, were the best team against Leipzig. But or I didn't think, man, United was the best team against Leipzig. But, um, you know, now you look back at it, you're like, well, how did Man United not get through that? You know, they, yeah. they should have gotten through and they had the lead going into those last couple of legs, last couple of match days in that group. So I just think with that attitude from Solskjaer, I think there's it's a little too settling for me. Yeah. Um, I don't like how he pushed out Lukaku. Um, you look at Lukaku now and I, I had this conversation with Nick Superling, uh, who's a, who's a friend of mine who also does podcasts, check him out. Um, but, you know, he he had the, you know, we had a conversation. He's like, Lukaku is only good because Inter Milan's in the Italian league. I'm like, look, Lukaku's been good everywhere he's yeah. been outside of Man United. And under his first season under Mourinho, he wasn't that bad. Um, And I think sometimes it was just what he had around him at times. Like, I'm not saying he's the best one-on-one player, but, like, you know, the, 
let's just be honest, Man United barely squeaked past Milan. Lukaku played Milan off the park in the derby game against Milan. So you can't tell me that Lukaku can't perform against Milan better yeah. than Martial did and better than, you know, Rashford did. Yeah. Um. So I, I, I'm not, I don't think like Gunnar's going to get them to yeah. the promised land or get them back where they wanted. He's a good progress holder. He keeps the, the dressing room happy. They kind of avoid a lot of drama at times. Um, but if they want to get back to what Man United was, which was the biggest club in Europe and the most dominant club in Europe. And, you know, when you had Man United on the schedule, you just basically docked it as a loss. <laughs> um, or at least yeah. you're hoping that you get a tie. Um, that's not going to happen under Solskjaer. Yeah, and you brought up a great point with him. I almost forgot about that during the week with Leicester City when they got knocked out 3-1 to one in the interviews all smiling and laughing. I almost did forget about that. That is something you definitely don't want to see from a professional. He's done that before, like in other losses. Like he's smiling in the press conference, man. I swear he's just happy that he's Man United's manager. Like I don't think yeah. he, I, as long as I don't get fired, I'm happy. Like I, like, it feels seriously. like that because their best performances come when he's under the gun anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I, I almost did forget about that. And that that is definitely don't want to see from your manager, no matter what point you are in at a club. You, whether you're in a progression stage or you're top of the world, you do not want a manager that when you lose walks into a press conference and is laughing about losing and being like, oh, you know, trophies don't, you know, it's like, hey, if you can win a freaking trophy, you go win that trophy. Like, that's the <laughs> way, if I was Man United, that's the way I would think at least. That's the way they used to think, so. Uh, Derek, the, the, la- the last two things here. Pogba made this huge difference in that second half for Man United. Uh, what do you think his worth is? And, you know, could, you know, do you think he's still as valuable as people used to hold him, especially like before he went to United? People thought, and while when he got to United, that he was one of the best midfielders in the world. And then my second question after that is, uh, is Milan back? Is this AC Milan uh, coming back to the old ways that we grew up with, with the Kakas and the Carlo Ancelotti's and, and things like that, when they were just dominating with Nesta and Maldini and those guys? So the way I look at it is with Pogba, I think his worth, like, it's hard to dictate his worth. I still think that he's one of the best midfielders in the world. I want, I would say he's up there in the conversation. And I don't like to hear people, like, question him because I'm like, he's, he's won a World Cup of France. And, like, you can't say he's a main player in that France team as well. Exactly. So you can't say that he's not a top player when he's – only what two years, three years removed off a of World and Cup. So it's arguably, just... and he was arguably the best midfielder when Juventus made that Champions League final yeah. with him, Vidal, and Pirlo and Marquisio in the middle. And he was arguably their most dynamic and best exactly. center midfielder when they lost to Barca. So I feel like this whole move to Man United for him, at least, has been. I think people had really high expectations for him to like lift this team above the planet. I'm like, it's Paul Pogba. Like he's he's a great player but he's not going to make a team go from seventh to first in his first, you know, season there. And I just, I think his worth is still there. I think, I think plenty of places would be willing to pay a lot of money for this guy to play for them because he is still that dynamic, you know, he can win the ball, go forward. He can drop all the way back and he's big enough to play defense. He's big, strong. He just he has every attribute you want in a center mid. I think his worth is definitely still where he used to be. I think he's, worth 100 125 150 like he's a high valuable player when it comes to when you want to make you know a money move for him you're gonna have to pay big money well especially with who his uh agent is <laughs> yes yes <laughs> but um you know <clears throat> i i think i agree i agree with you wholeheartedly pog was worth his weight in gold um he is one of the most talented center mids of this generation people can argue that but he is um he may not drop a performance every time in and out but when that guy's motivated to play like he was at events is like he wasn't was it like he was for france it's incredible he's he's the best center mid almost every time he steps on the field um i think it just he needs to be in the right team he needs to be in the right atmosphere man united has not been the right team or the right atmosphere mm-hmm. for him it was definitely a money move, I think, for him. And it kind of got his, you know, it raised his popularity and made his image that much bigger. Um, but I think if you told him right now that he could have went to Real Madrid instead or Barcelona instead or just stayed at Juventus, he would have. 
Um, and yeah, I I still think he's a top ten center mid on his day, top five center mid on his day. Um, right now he just hasn't been able to perform at that due to just coaches in and out and you know playing for team playing in a team that really doesn't suit him I think at times uh, I would take him at Real Madrid tomorrow I really would and I would oh, yeah. love to have him next to Cruz and Casemiro and Modric and have him you know being in that attack mindset um, but in this United team he's just not as effective and I think that's his issue it's not I don't know if it's down to him I think it's more down to United at times yeah I think and it might be down to him playing forward. in the Premier League he may not be a Premier League style player at times so. yeah and I think also going forward with Pogba like it's hard for him to make that difference going forward when you're passing the ball to guys that you might not be able to trust to go and hey, make you something. leave Fred out of this all right <laughs> Like I said, like it's just he doesn't have the talent going forward unless he goes the ball to Bruno Fernandez and on his day, Marcus Rashford. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not good. It's just not good going no, forward for them. Bruno Fernandez for this team, it's it's Bruno Fernandez or bust. Let's just be Seriously? honest. Um, going Bruno, forward, yeah. If Bruno Fernandez isn't playing well, this team's not playing well. Um, and Pogba obviously helps Bruno with that at times. I think Bruno. You know, he has his good days and his bad days, but Paul Pogba is still, um, he's ridiculous. And I think people just forget because sometimes his performances aren't as consistent, but I think sometimes it's just that team isn't consistent either. So (laughs) what is consistent about Manchester United that they're happy (laughs) outside of Solskjaer for the last year and a half to a couple of years. I mean, nothing's been consistent. So, Oh no, his, Hey, Solskjaer is always happy, man. It's always a good time. Now, do you think Milan's back? (laughs) Yeah, that's how I was trying to get to. Um, I, I wouldn't say they're back. I wouldn't say they're back to like the Kaka, you know, the enchiladas mm-hmm. and, you know, that level. But I think they're coming back to – I think they're going to be a new AC Milan. I think this mm-hmm. is going to be the team that's going to be able to like run around and see out with the way Juventus has been looking this season. They're aging, older team, looking all over the place. They just announced that they're sticking with Perlo next year, so that opens the gates for <laughs> everyone else, you know. It's just <laughs> in, in our opinions – that is in our opinions you never know next season perlo could come in and rock no, i know i know it's not oh happening. you know you know I it's know. not gonna work i already out. went to the future and it's not working because i could tell you from the season it didn't work either so. <laughs> but yeah just overall i i think ac milan and you know syria especially is back i think in europe they're going to still struggle because i don't think they're back to that european powerhouse that they were but I think they're making their way back. You're starting to see more of their transfers working out for them. Mm-hmm. They're starting to get more new talent in. You know, Donnarumma came in a few years ago, and since then they've been kind of bringing in better and better and yep. better. So Romanoli's been a big hit for them as well. Yeah, coming from Roma and Luke or Tio or Lucas Tio, I think, right? Tio Hernandez. <laughs> Yeah, because Lucas it's a is Hernandez, at, right? It's not Lucas. Lucas is at uh is at Bayern, but Theo Hernandez plays I think left back. Yeah, left back for them, and he's ridiculous. Yeah, so. so just overall though, I would say like I think they're coming on into their own, coming on their way back. I think this is gonna be a new Milan, you know, it's kind of one of those we're not, you know, Kaka, Ronaldinho, and you know, everything else that was amazing, but we're still here. We're able to, you know, compete. I think they're gonna become that like underdog in the you uh, champions league mm. underdog in champions league i think they'll be able to run around in syria and actually like really compete i think it'll be a lot closer than it has been in the past 10 years and just overall i think it's going to be a team that we can actually look at and say oh that team has a chance yep no I, I agree with you i don't think they're back i don't think it's like oh milan the powerhouse that had arguably the best midfield uh, for four to five years, they're in the best back line uh, when yeah. they had Maldini and Nesta. Um, you know, they don't have Seedorf and Kaka and, and all those guys back. But um, no, this is a this is a Milan team that's better than what they were for the last five to eight to ten years. It's better than the Boateng days and the Zlatan days uh, and the Robinho days. Um, <laughs> I think they're they're going to continue to steadily improve. Like you said, their transfers keep hitting. Romagnoli has been a huge hit. Tio Hernandez has been a huge hit down to Roma and goal. They, uh, I think, keep him around. It's going to be one of the best goalkeepers in the world for the next 10, 15 years. Um, 
you know, they, they lack a striker right now. Zlatan yeah. still feeling that, feeling that space a little bit. I don't believe in like, you know, the, the, the strike force right now. I mean, Rafael Leal is okay. Uh, I like Tonali in the middle. Um, I like, you know, Brahim Diaz, who's a Real Madrid guy on loan there right now. Uh, but they, they've, like you said, they got to continue to invest. I think they found their manager and Stefano Pioli or yeah. Stefano Pioli. Um, I think they'll continue, you know, to have great leadership under him. I still think they'll be Champions League, like you said, in that Italian league for years to come. Um, so they just got to continue to invest in the right ways and get the right kids in. Uh, and I think they'll be fine. I think they can really come back to what they were. It may not be this season or next season, but you keep adding these next two, three transfer windows. And, you know, they're going to be looking really, really solid as long as obviously not picked off of by, you know, other European giants. So, yeah. well, let's move on. Uh, we got we got one more game we really want to cover here, which is Rangers losing the Slavia Prague 3-1 on aggregate. Obviously, you know, Steven Gerrard finally bows out of the competition. His team finally loses. A uh, couple matches, but let's talk about that Rangers high kick on the Slavia Prague goalkeeper. Uh, Derek, is that the worst tackle ever? And then, if not, who? Oh man, it's an it's another Sparta kick to the face, like Sadio Mane's to Ederson. Yeah, but Mane uh, kicked him like with his laces, like it wasn't with his studs, like straight I to the it was, dome. I could I could have sworn those were studs back when Ederson got hit. No, I think uh, it might have been, but it wasn't as Sparta kicking as this one was. I don't know, man. Like <laughs> that was also a really big collision, anyways, because Ederson yeah. was flying out of the goal too. Mm-hmm. Then there was also the one in the World Cup back in Netherlands De versus Hong. Spain, the yeah. Hong straight to the chest. I think that one's. That one's bad, but I don't think it's as bad just because it wasn't to the face. <laughs> like to the dome piece. Man. Yeah, like, <laughs> like that's like, and it's also to, but it's also one of those. Chavi was not expecting that. <laughs> no, Chavi Alonso when he got hit lost every breath that was ever in his body. <laughs> his grandma yeah. felt that. Like. <laughs> Seriously, though, I I think. I think you can give this one up. I, it's up there. I can't really put a sticker on what's the worst tackle ever because we've mm. seen some gruesome ones anyways, yeah. like that we're not counting, where it's like guys have gotten their legs broken and yeah. like really Gomes, gruesome. Gomez against uh, Son when Son kind of slid into him and did that. Yeah. Yeah. Just like we've seen some gruesome ones. So I don't know if this is the worst one ever just because I think some of those might be actually worse. Mm. But in terms of like, your initial reaction when you watch it, this is probably the worst one because it's just, bah! you're like, uh, it, oh, my face. <laughs> it was so brutal the way it happened. Like, you could just see stud face, just like kind of like a stop motion Ugh. as he finished through it. Like, that was bad. But, hey, good thing is the Savi Pro goalkeeper is okay. Uh, yeah. Nothing, nothing, you know, going to severely happened. injure him for the rest of his career. So that's good. Um, and, yeah, I – it's definitely up there in the one of some of the worst tackles ever for sure. Yeah. Our worst attempts to just, I guess, kick the ball and, and then hitting an <laughs> opponent. Cause I know he wasn't trying to tackle the goalkeeper, obviously, but it was definitely one of the worst kicks, I guess you could say you've seen in the game. Yeah. Uh, Derek, the other thing that happened in this game, which is terrible um, Rangers racial abuse or the Slavia Prague player racially abuses a Rangers player. Uh, we're not going to get into the specifics of what was said and who, who said what and who it was said to, We'll just keep it simple as a player from Rangers um, who is, you know, black in his skin was addressed uh, by a Slavia Prague player in an inappropriate way. Um, obviously, there's still things going down there. And we're not going to get into the nitty gritty and try and assume what happened. But, Derek, I just want to ask you, because there's really not like a set standard for this. And I think it's really interesting from FIFA and UEFA. Um, what do you think should happen to a to the to a player who has been deemed as racially abusing other players on the field? Man, I think if you're gonna put something in place for like Europa League, Europa League and Champions League, I think it should just be they're out for the rest of the tournament. I don't think they should be allowed, allowed back mm. until the next season, and before the next season starts, they have to show some kind of like. They went through like a course or they went mm. through some type of teaching that is, you know, it's not okay to do that. Something. 
But I, I honestly think no matter what point in the conversation, if it ha- it could happen at the first game of the group stage, and I would say, all right, that guy should be out for the rest of the competition. Like it's just it's not it shouldn't be allowed. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'd be even harsher, um, to be honest, because of it's just happened so much, and a lot of these a lot of these se- you know separate incidents kind of get swept under the rug at times and are forgotten Seriously. about. Um. I would honestly ban the guy for a year, if not two years, if not more. Um, Suarez lost, I think, six to eight months for Biden Chiellini, um, which was like his second time or whatever. And I think he got a, a 10 or 15 match ban when he bit Ivanovich. So if Biden's going to get you that much racial abuse, which is, uh, you know, yeah. you can't argue isn't an intentional and isn't, you know, going after to a, a person in probably the most disgusting way possible. Um, yeah, I would say year, two years. Um, like you said, they have to show that they've gotten some education, uh, some sort of class, some sort of uh, just, I don't know, program. And, and they need to reprogram how that person thinks because yeah. it's ridiculous. And if they're not willing to do that, then they don't deserve to play professional soccer. I'm sorry. You don't deserve to play yeah. with, with some of the best players in the world because huh. you're not a good enough person. I think if it comes down from FIFA, like FIFA is going to put out a thing where it's like all across the world. Like if it mm-hmm. happens, this I think it, you're right. It should be a one to two year ban. Like it shouldn't mm-hmm. be. And until they show that they have a course, it should be even longer. Like yeah. until they show understanding of what they did was wrong and like in form of having a course or education of knowing they did wrong. They shouldn't be allowed to be in the world of soccer. And no. that should go without pay as well. I'm not mm-hmm. – they shouldn't oh, get paid yeah. during that time. Yeah. If I walk up to a guy – if I walk up to a parent, one of the parents I coach, and I call their – you know, what he said to someone's player like that, I would lose my job immediately, and I wouldn't be able to get back into the soccer exactly. world on my end. Same thing should happen to this guy, and he's on a grander stage. Mm-hmm. He, he's on – you know, and he – they they were in bands and that's on their shirts and racism, you know, and be you know, respect and blah blah blah. No room for racism, black lives matter, all this stuff. And like you're just gonna turn around and do that. Like I, I just I have no I have no patience for it at all. Yeah. So seriously. But let's get away from the the hot and heavy and the political and the just outright just ridiculous stuff. I don't even say it's political at this point. It's just human rights at this point. But let's move on from that and let's play a little bracketology, Derek, because, you know, March Madness is the thing for college basketball. We're going to do a little college basketball now, the Europa League, because now we can actually finally do it. You can't really do this with the draws around a 32, around a 16, because everyone gets these random things. So now we actually get to say, Who's advancing? Who's the Cinderella story? Uh, who's the dark horse? Things like that. So, Derek, we got Dynamo Zagreb versus Villarreal on one side versus Arsenal and Slavia Prague. So Slavia Prague plays Arsenal. Villarreal playing Dynamo Zagreb. Uh, Derek, who do you have in the Zagreb versus Villarreal? I have Villarreal. Yep, same here. Unai Emery, a lot of experience there. Uh, I don't think Zagreb is going to get lucky twice. Um, I think yeah. Ars- I think uh, Villarreal, I should say, not Arsenal. Villarreal <laughs> will uh, move forward with their yellow submarine and, and keep that keep that line going. And I think they've got a really really good center mid there in Parejo, who I think mm-hmm. uh, can can definitely move them forward in that midfield yeah. and make sure this thing runs right. And he uh, has plenty of experience too. Oh plenty yeah, oh yeah. So. We got Arsenal and Slavia Prague at the bottom here. Uh, who you got, Derek? I got Arsenal. Yeah, Arsenal too. Uh, Slavia Prague, I think, are actually going to be a little karma here, and I think Arsenal is going to hopefully kick around the park and do really, do really well and and get these guys out of here. Uh, Granada versus Man United. Derek on the other side. Who you got? Man United. Uh, Ajax versus Roma. Who you got? I got Ajax. Same, same here. So I got Man United beating Granada. I think they'll beat them pretty handily. I like the Granada team, though. Kennedy's been playing out of his mind. He's a former Chelsea guy. Um, Granada's got a young coach there that's really done a great job with them, but I think this is where they kind of reach yeah. uh, their last point here. Uh, and then Ajax versus Roma. I'm with you. I think Ajax gets through. I think they got some decent experience in that team. Uh, the stage won't be too big for them. Uh, I like that Roma team with Dzeko, uh, but I think Ajax, he, he just... You can't it's bet against Ajax right now. Not, not right now. They're playing pretty well. Uh, they beat Young Boys handedly. 
Uh, so they, they, I think they've got a lot of momentum rolling into there, and I think they'll be all right. Uh, Derek, we got Ajax or Manchester United. I want. Oh, that's that's kind of tough. I, I'll go ahead and say Man United though. Same. Yeah, I got Man United. I chose them to make the final anyway. Uh, I'm not gonna pull away from that now just because they're playing Ajax. I think. Yeah. You, I think you're on the same way there. Uh, but who knows? Maybe. Eric Ten Hag can uh, make the difference. That's what I was thinking about managerial battle. <laughs> ben, Ajax is just a team I really like as well. I really uh, like I love you, you can't not like watching Ajax um, if you're a neutral. Yeah. Uh, Dynamo's or sorry, Villarreal versus Arsenal on the other side. Derek, who you got? I'm going to go with the Cinderella story and say Villarreal is going to make the final. <laughs> oh man, every North Londoner that loves red. Arsenal Gooners are going to hate you for that comment. <laughs> Especially since Unai Emery coaches them. <laughs> that would be great. That would be the ultimate revenge story. I'm going to go with Arsenal. I do like that Villarreal team. I think they have some really strong players. I think uh, Unai Emery's done a good job making them actual contenders. Um, but Arsenal just, I think Aubameyang will hopefully come out of his little bit of a shell. Nicolas Pepe. Uh, who typically will have like these wonderful performances that make you go, oh, that's why they paid all that money for him. Um, but like you know, Lacazette's that's actually been playing decent. The biggest thing for Arsenal there is they just can't shoot themselves in their own foot. Um, I think as long as they're not giving away goals in front of their own goal and they're smart about their build-up play and they're sharp about their build-up play, uh, I think they they can handle Villarreal. You better hope Jaka ain't playing that game. <laughs> He'll just pass it to the other team. He won't pass it to the other He's already done that. Now he'll just, he'll just hit upper 90 into his own goal. So he'll just bang one into the top end. So he'll just do it for him. Uh, Derek, you said Villarreal versus Man United. Who you got in the final? Uh, I want to take Man United. Yeah, same. Uh, if, that's, if it's Man United versus Arsenal, I'm taking Man United every day of the week right now um, do you th- are you starting to think if man united don't win the europe europa league do you think that they're not gonna you know do you think that's a failure for the season uh for me yeah they should they should definitely win a trophy uh, they should have won either the fa cup or Carabao cup that's out you're not going to win the premier league so uh europa league especially after falling out of the champions league definitely uh, i would i would say it's a failure but i would also say for that board and for Solskjaer, probably not I think they they won't mind. Uh, I think as long as they get second and they quote unquote see progression in their team, uh, I think they'll be okay. Uh, (laughs) So imagine getting second in Europa League and second in Premier League. (laughs) Hey, whatever, man. Um, Love second place finishes. (laughs) Out of these eight teams, who is your? You saying Villarreal is your Cinderella pick? You think they're the one that's most? I guess people aren't looking at to go all the way through, and and you're choosing them. Yeah, I yeah, I'm choosing them to go all the way through. Okay. Uh, Another team though, people got to watch out for is that Ajax team. I really think we could see a Villarreal Ajax final. Like I could really see that. Okay. I like Granada. I just don't like their matchup. I don't think they get past United. <laughs> if Granada swept spots with Villarreal, I would say it's Granada. Yeah. But yeah, same. I would. they're just on the crappier side where you got to beat United, which if they beat United, great. But then they still got to beat IX or Roma, <laughs> which is so, still <laughs> it's still a tough feat. So I I think Granada's their their run ends here, and it's just because they just got a poor end of the draw. Yeah. Um. So I think it's between Dynamo's and grabbing Villarreal. Uh, Villarreal definitely could beat Arsenal on their day. Uh, Dynamo's and Greb can beat Tottenham. They can definitely beat Arsenal. Uh, not that Tottenham's a better team, but they've at least shown that they're giant killers, and they can go yeah. out there and compete with some of the best teams in Europe. So, um, you know, it's definitely between those two. If I had to choose one, it's gonna be Villarreal. Just because I don't think Zagreb gets past Villarreal, but um, yeah, it should be fun. It's definitely not, you know, the big names that you expect sometimes, like an Inter Milan or Sevilla, and like Man United and Ajax is like they're still Man United oh, and Ajax, but Napoli, you know, Leicester City, uh, yeah, any you team know, that Derek picked, <laughs> any team Derek picked, you know, the the nice ones uh, that didn't get through. I mean, you look at that round of thirty-two. I mean, Leicester they got knocked out. I think they'd be really fun. Rangers got knocked out. They'd be really fun. Uh, Olympiacos getting Arsenal. I think if they get, you know, if they got what, I don't know, if you look like Shakhtar playing, you know, Roma, I think they maybe get through Roma. 
Yeah. You know, there's just been a lot of teams that got knocked out. Like Tottenham versus Villarreal would be great. I would love that. And oh, that's yeah. Dynamo, but hey, Dynamo earned that spot. Um, you know, I would have loved to watch Napoli. I would love to watch Milan if they didn't have to play United so early. Real Sociedad would have been great to watch going forward. Um, same thing with Leverkusen, but they lost to Young Boys. So I think that the the thing that's killed Europa League this year is just the draws have been so good early on. Yeah, that has made yeah. Europa League kind of just kaput at this point so but hey. we should get a good final though i think i think the final should no be over the finals gonna, the final's gonna be granada versus like slavia Prague. <laughs> like, it's gonna be like the worst final of all time oh man that'd be great though i would love to see that that'd be great there's two teams no one ever counted on to be in there <laughs> yeah that's like lester went in epl at that point so <laughs> well that will do it for today's end-to-end podcast. We appreciate you tuning in. If you enjoyed the podcast, please let us know via social media or via donation and our listener support on Anchor. We're looking forward to bringing you all more great soccer content in the near future. If you like to, if you would like us to cover something specific, definitely let us know via social media. Uh, thank you for listening, and we are looking forward to running end-to-end together again soon. Take it easy, guys. Bye-bye. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that.